Hey, and welcome to All Things Renovation with Brandy the Boss Lady and Paul the Wood Magician. We're a fun-loving couple who eat, breathe, and live all things renovation, and we'll be your hosts on this podcast. We created the podcast to help you take a confident role in your renovation dreams and get your project done right, on time, on budget, and with quality craftsmanship. Welcome to today's show, everyone. It was considered the wonder product for the ages, especially due to its fireproof properties. And it's ubiquitous. It's found in everything. Things like firefighting suits, a whole ton of uh, manufacturing processes utilize it, including those in the automobile sector. Uh, It's also in a ton of construction products. And it's also been used in the power and chemical industries. So when I say it's ubiquitous, I really do mean that. It is found everywhere. And while the intention of using it was for safety for the most part, it's been found to cause seriously harmful health issues like lung cancer and mesotheliomia. And if you haven't guessed it yet, I'm talking about asbestos. So to get into this topic today, I have Lindsay Rice on the show, and she is the safety coordinator for Fairway Demolition and has over 14 years of experience in the abatement industry. She has worked on all types of projects from residential to commercial and even a military aircraft, which I find absolutely fascinating. So welcome to the show today, and Lindsay, I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so let's just really dig into it. Um, What makes asbestos such a hazard? Uh, it's just like you said, it is a major cancer causing agent. And at the end of the day, everybody wants to go home and live their life with their families. And it's one of those things that it is still the leading killer in workplace industries. Yeah. I mean, and it's like, it is very ubiquitous. It's everywhere. It's in like in every building and, and I just schools and hospitals, and like everything. Right. Yeah. Um, now, because we're in the renovation sector, I'm not going to go too much into the manufacturing and automobile um, areas, but um, what are the most common building products that asbestos is found in? Like in our, in our homes, what can people easily sort of identify with? Uh, residential wise, it's pretty much in just about everything your house can be built of, but to, to keep it simple, your drywall yeah, you got that old fancy, shiny, textured looking ceiling. Uh, it can be in that. It can be in your vinyl floor tiles, those old sheet floorings. Uh, it, it can be in your roof. It can be in your exterior. If you got uh, tiles on the outside of your house, it can, it can be in those tiles, uh, transite tiles. It, it, it really is in just about everything except for your concrete and your wood structure. Your entire home could basically be built of asbestos containing materials. Yeah, and then even things like the uh, the white tape that goes around all of our ducting in our basements. Which is very common and is actually a very high percentage of asbestos is in that little white tape that we see everywhere. Yeah, and then even even around like really old windows as well. Yeah, that's right? correct. So it's, just, it's, it's in these weird little places that you wouldn't really think about. I mean, the, the drywall is kind of an obvious one that a lot of people know and understand and like Lionel flooring and all that kind of stuff. But they're, like you say, it really, it can be in almost every single product in your house. It really can. Yeah. And I, I mean, I know typically, you know, if if the building was built after 1990, it's considered to be sort of assumed to be safe and not containing anything, but um, we still have products around that are containing, obviously that are being used, although they are being phased out. So do you happen to know when in Canada, we basically mandated the, the stopping of, of those types of products being used? 
Yeah. So in the late 1980s, they stopped the manufacturing in Canada uh, of adding asbestos fibers into manufactured materials. However, they didn't tell everyone they had to get rid of what they had. So if you had an inventory of, you know, 10 jugs of mastic still and boxes and boxes of floor tile and drywall mud compound, you were still allowed to use that. Uh, they did put a specific date on it saying that anything before 1990, it is required to do testing and anything after. However, it's still being found in 2000 houses. So it's some of that inventory maybe sat in a back closet for too long and got pulled out instead of used up and it's still popping up. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why I think um, most contractors and I'm, I'm definitely fall into this bucket. Like part of our protocol is we just go and we test everything on every job, even if it's been built after 1990 a, so that we can make sure that everybody's being safe, uh, who's going to be involved in the project, but also for the homeowners, because oftentimes they, they're like, oh, well, you know, we'll just rip it up ourselves. And it's like, well, do you realize that you yourself are putting yourself at risk then? And if yeah. later on down the line, uh, you were to get lung cancer and maybe a doctor would ask, like, hey, did you have a renovation go on and blah, 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 trying to pinpoint the origin of maybe where you got lung cancer from, um, you know, it can come back to the contractor. It could. And it really is best practice just to know everything that you're doing and the materials you're coming in contact with for your employees. And like you said, your clients, you know, you don't know if they have little children or babies in the home. And it really is best practice just to have a renovation or demolition survey done on any project where you're going to be doing removal. Yeah. I mean, and oftentimes people, you know, they are hearing more and more about asbestos and all that kind of stuff. And, and I've had some people even ask me, like, should I be worried if we're, it's just, letting a sleeping dog lie <laughs> should we be worried that there's the stuff in our house do we do we need to take it all down and start again if we know it's here and we're not planning on doing a renovation so i think my understanding is that as long as we don't touch it it's fine we don't need to worry about it too much absolutely if you're not touching it then it, it, it's not a concern. It has to become airborne in order for, for it to be a health concern. The other thing to keep in mind, though, is that if you think it might be, it wouldn't hurt a homeowner in their knowledge to know, because what about when you're putting something, you know, if you're putting an anchor in the ceiling or something, it, it is good to know that if you're putting a big hole in a textured ceiling, you're going to have some disturbance there. That's not necessarily the best thing for you to do, right? So it is good for some homeowners to have some of that knowledge. If you do own an owner, older home, just to be aware of what you shouldn't do if that is the situation of your home. But no, if you're not disturbing, it is absolutely safe to be in an older home. As long, yeah. The only time you got to be concerned about is if it starts to get damaged or starts to become a concern if it's falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, you have a, whatever, some, some big party that happens and people start damaging the walls or what have you. And you've got to, there you go. That would be worst case that. scenario. I was going to say somebody like yeah, starts like, you know, punching the walls or whatever, but that seems a little, little, uh, I don't know, a little vicious, but anyway. Um, so, I mean, maybe run us through a little bit of like how we do test for it. And maybe, uh, I know we talked about like where maybe some, it may be um, located in our building products, but there are some sneaky spots that we need to be aware of um, when we are doing some testing. And what I'm thinking with this is that, there could be multiple layers of drywall. There could be multiple layers of flooring. So, you know, when we go to get a hygienist in or a tech to come in and do some testing, um, it's my understanding that we need to look for those hidden and sneaky spots that maybe something would be found that we were maybe unaware of so that we don't get into a demo situation where, 
you know, your people or you know, other people that would be hired to do some demolition work aren't being surprised by, you know, vermiculite falling on their their heads from the ceiling and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, no, and that that comes down to hiring a qualified person. You know, in order to be able to do a proper project and file a notice of project, you have to have a hazardous material survey, whether or not that's a renovated survey or renovation survey or a demolition survey. You have to have a survey and you need to hire a qualified person to do that. And that qualified person is trained with their AHERA certification to know where to look for those things. Looking in the, the like you said, the little things, the, the, the mastics and the caulkings on the windows and knowing that if you're doing a demolition survey, you need to do destructive testing. So you're coring through the floors to make sure you get down to that original layer. So you know if there's seven layers of floor hiding there and you're <laughs> checking for double drywall and you're checking bulkheads and ceilings to see if vermiculite's hiding in an attic because you know you test all the outside materials oh everything's clean and then the last thing you want is somebody coming in and dropping your bulkhead now you got vermiculite your workers exposed the house is contaminated so it's all about hiring that qualified person and then they are responsible for coming in and making sure that they find anything that you could come across yeah and then um you know there's been some talk uh, throughout time about you know the percentage of containing there was different risk levels and all that kind of stuff now i know that now it's like no matter what if, no matter what the percentage is no matter what you're doing doesn't matter what the risk is low medium high you need to abate but maybe run us through a little bit around like that conversation because oftentimes that's a conversation i need to have with some of our clients I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, the way it's regulated is asbestos is asbestos. If it's greater than 0.5%, it's considered asbestos containing in British Columbia. And obviously some materials can contain 0.5% and some materials can contain almost 100% asbestos. There are also different types of asbestos that a material can contain. In my opinion, if it's 5%, it's still a concern. But let's say, you know, you moved your face and your mask got lifted up for a second. Are you going to be terrified? No. But if you're doing uh, like a boiler insulation job where it's 80% asbestos. So when you put that into perspective, the dust in the air, 80% of that asbestos, of that dust are asbestos fibers. Right. So when you look at it from that perspective, what would you rather be in a room? A room where 0.5% of the dust that you, is, you know, accumulating in the air is an asbestos fiber or 80% of the dust that is accumulating in the air is going to be asbestos fibers. Yeah. So th and that's why risk assessments are done because you got to take those things into consideration. Right. Yeah. Um, now say, say a demo is underway and we do have a surprise, um, a second layer vermiculite in the ceiling, you know, all that kind of thing. Um, so what is the protocol from that point forward? Because I know that there's probably been numerous times where people have been surprised by things over the course of time here. So in it, from that standpoint, like what is the protocol? What, what should a homeowner be aware of that will need to happen if something is found that's been hidden? So I guess there's two scenarios to that. Best case scenario, you found it and you haven't disturbed it. And you're pulling up a floor and all of a sudden you're like, oh, there's a new floor here. You haven't touched it yet. You just leave it you hire you call that qualified person that qualified person comes back collects the samples for analysis you find out it's clean you keep going you find out it's asbestos containing now you need to contact a qualified asbestos contractor and they'll come in and take over from there worst case scenario is you hit that bulkhead and vermiculite comes pouring out 
you now need to notify WorkSafe BC about exposure. You need to seal off that room and control the dust, put up banner tape warning people so that people don't go in that room. And then you contact your qualified persons to come in and sample it. And then from there, contact your abatement company to come in and clean it up. Yeah. So when, regardless of if, I mean, ideally we want to know ahead of time. Even Absolutely. If, even it if, really is about getting <laughs> that pre-survey done so that yeah. doesn't happen. And even if we end up, you know, finding out after the fact, um, what does the uh, abatement process look like from right from the beginning through to the end? Like, what are what are those protocols that, you know, a homeowner should be aware of that should be being done? Because a lot of the times people don't know and they just assume that someone's doing it correctly, but sometimes people are not doing it correctly. So maybe just run us through what that full protocol would look like. Uh, if you own a home that's older than 1990, you are required to have a survey done on any removal that you want to be done. You contact your qualified person, you get the survey done, you get your survey in hand, it tells you that there's asbestos containing materials inside your renovation zone. You're going to hire a qualified, you're going to hire fairway demolition. And then uh, we're going to come in, uh, we're going to file a notice of project with WorkSafe BC. That notice of project has submittals that go in with it. So the moment that we file with WorkSafe, we're giving them our safe work procedures on how we're doing the project, what we're removing, the risk assessment on the risk level that the project's going to take, whether that's moderate risk or high risk. Um, and then the hazardous material survey, it is required to submit the survey when filing the notice of project. You can't file an NOPA without a survey. Uh, that gets done 48 hours prior to us even stepping foot on site. WorkSafe BC gets notified. Uh, we come to site. The first thing we're going to do is isolate that area. We're going to seal off every vent, every doorway, every window, depending on the scale of the project, determines how many transfer stations we're going to put in place, whether it's a clean room or a shower with hot water for guys to decon. Uh, and then we go in there, we do the removal. Everything gets put in double bag, six mil poly bags with asbestos uh, like warning documents or labels on it. Um, and from there, we it gets absolutely like, it's going to be the cleanest renovation you ever see. Like we don't leave any dust behind. It gets encapsulated when we're done. You're going to have a gutted, perfectly clean kitchen space when we leave. Yeah. So when, when you say encapsulated, I, I know that you guys tend to put a spray for anything that might small thing that might be stuck to a, a stud for instance or what have you to make sure it's not flying up in the air right that's correct yeah it's basically no one can guarantee 100 percent encapsulating is our 100 percent. if we left a tiny little piece of dust behind we make sure that that little bit is encapsulated and it, if somebody's walking or doing something they're not going to disturb that tiny little bit that we may not have gotten right and then of course um the an, another step to the once it's all been taken down and removed is to do our air uh, quality testing, correct? That's correct. So any type of high risk project, it's required that you run an air quality test on the work area before the containment comes down. That test is done to ensure that there's no fibers left within the work area and that the general public will be safe to return to that space. Yeah, perfect. I mean, I mean that just gives peace of mind for everybody, not only for, for me, for me as the, the contractor, but also a homeowner as well as the, the people who are actually physically doing the work, right? That's correct. Um, so now that we've, you know, we've done the demo, we've taken it all out of there, where does it go after it's removed? Like it obviously doesn't just go down to the dump. Like there, there seems to be like this big conversation around, well, where does it go? Is it just going a different hole in the ground or like <laughs> where, where does it go? It does go in a hole in the ground. Um... It depends on the type of material that you're getting rid of. Here in the lower mainland, you can get rid of every type of asbestos containing material except for drywall. 
And that is because we do bury it. And then when drywall is disposed of and it gets wet, it actually leaks like these toxic gases. And because of that, where we dispose of our materials actually out in Richmond and Richmond's like below sea level, you can't take drywall asbestos to British Columbia. So any drywall containing asbestos actually goes to Alberta and it is just buried from, from my knowledge, the end of the line is it gets buried in Alberta, stays in those six mil poly bags, safely sealed away from the world and everything else goes to the Vancouver landfill. Uh, you have to have a licensed company that has their LT license and the driver needs to have their transportation of dangerous goods and every load needs to be accompanied with a waste manifest uh, that states what type of asbestos is in that bin and how much asbestos and where it comes from. Right, so we basically, we have in essence, um, I, I was gonna say chain of command, but just basically like we, ha we have the provenance of where, you know, all of this material is coming from and, and who who's dealt with it and who's touched it and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I know provenance is usually used in the art world, like to say, you know, whatever, but it also applies to this um, type of uh, disposal, right? Yeah. Abatement is, in my opinion, is one of the most documented industries that exists. Like we literally have to write down everything we do, where our waste comes, where our waste goes. If we have too much waste, we have to apply for a BCG number, tell the government, how much waste we're going to be pulling out, where it's coming from, where it's going, what type of waste it is, different types of asbestos have different UN numbers. It really is like a very tightly regulated industry. And probably rightly so. I mean, it's toxic stuff really at the end of the day. Like I said, asbestos is still the number one killer in workplace incidents. All right. So um, over, over your tenure, 14 plus years, um, what are some of the most uh, I guess, demanding abatements that you've ever been part of? Uh, or or some, of the more in, like, some of the more interesting places or, you know. I Well, the, the aircraft was pretty cool. Uh, I was in my earlier years. I was working out on a military base. Um, and like going back to that white tape that's on the ducting. So it, it was like a similar version of that. It actually just was thicker with more asbestos content in it. And it was on certain parts of the plane mm -hmm. so and i was actually required to have a military supervisor because i couldn't be left alone on this plane <laughs> so outside of my asbestos control zone i actually had a military supervisor this military personnel just stood there and watched me work and i had to stay within his line of sight the entire time i was on this aircraft because i couldn't be alone with this plane right. so that that was one of the neater experiences that i've had um i did spend a considerable amount of time at yvr I, one of my favorite things about working there was it was just a little bit of something new every day, whether you were down in these tunnels or you were doing a renovation for a restaurant or whatever. It was, uh, it was also a very cool experience. All right. Yeah. And then from, um, like from a, a demolition of a whole house perspective, because some, like oftentimes we are doing either a reno on a whole house or the house is being demolished altogether and a new build is going on. Like I've seen, massive tenting sometimes and of course you got the orange and you got the tape and all that kind of stuff i mean that must just be like an incredible setup to like yeah, you need somebody that's like really good at it you do yeah especially like that exterior tent that's when you're getting into like the exterior stuccos right exterior stucco is a high-risk project you need to enclose the entire exterior of the home and maintain an airtight seal that's that's not as easy task. that's that's a day and a half setup for a crew just to get the ball rolling and get the setup done and then 
you know, getting inside and taking it all down without damaging that poly too, because that's an infraction. So it it's, it's not an easy job. It's really not, but, uh, but it's something new every day. Yeah. So in, in that um, scenario, so how do you get your air seal done and, and all that around the whole tricks to the trade so we'll take like one by one pieces of wood roll the poly around it screw it in and then take that's on the roof and then you take it down to the ground and you do something very similar on the ground and that kind of pulls it tight and you create this kind of tent effect from the roof to the ground and then it's about having as many negative air units in there as you need to make sure that you maintain your negative air pressure (laughs) well i have to say it's it seems like um a pretty straightforward thing like because when I ask people like what do you, what part of the renovation do you want to take on or whatever if, if at all oh let's do the demo it seems so fun <laughs> you know like everyone's like yeah let's get the sledgehammers out we're gonna we're gonna do this and yeah it, I mean it, it obviously it can be very cathartic when you're like smashing stuff to bits but in an abatement situation it, there really is a lot of a lot of prep a lot of thought a lot of like you're saying documentation that goes there into is. it it's not a simple thing and then oftentimes people are like, they push back on the cost. And it's like, well, there's all of these parts and pieces that are part of the overhead of the actual thing. It's not just the one or two yeah. people going into, say, like a bathroom or a kitchen that are doing the demo there. There's actually all of this other stuff that's behind it, right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, with this industry, there's a whole lot of frontline work that goes in before anybody even steps on the ground. Like I said, there's there's a whole whack of documentation that's got to go to work safe two days before we even step foot on the site. So it's there's a lot of administration work behind every abatement project that takes place. Yeah, for sure. Well, I feel like we've we've really gotten through a lot of really good things that I know a lot of people that we've worked with have asked. Is there anything else that you would maybe want to share that we've missed um, that maybe someone should know about? Or did did I I do a really good job at covering it? You did a good job. I guess the only (laughs) thing that I'd say to every homeowner or person that's going to take on a renovation out there is you pay for what you get. If you've got a project and your quotes are coming in at $22,000, $23,000 and some guy comes in at $11,000, we're not ripping you off. There's a reason why there's a $10,000 gap there. And if you stop work order or in a work safe shutdown, you're going to find out why that guy was $11,000 really fast. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like there, there's definitely good value for dollar and you want proper professionals working on your house if, when you're hiring them, be it right from the demo or abatement or whatever, all the way through to the, the end of the job. I mean, it, there really is a difference between good quality work and not so good quality work so there really is yeah and and in a world where everything's regulated the bad guys get caught it, it happens it's and, and WorkSafe knows who they are so if you're hiring that guy that's 30 percent cheaper than everybody else you're you're rolling the dice and as a homeowner you are legally obligated to hire a qualified person so if you're hiring the guy from down the street you better yeah. make sure he knows what he's doing. Check out his work safe background. Make sure he doesn't have any penalties because you don't, yeah. you know, this is your house at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, full disclosure, I've been working with Fairway for a number of years now, and you guys have an impeccable record at WCB. Like you we run do. a really good, really clean show. All documentation is always there. Always really sound advice. Anytime I've ever, ever asked for anything. So I can highly, highly recommend you. Um, if a homeowner or another contractor was listening to this, how do they best uh, connect with you to get the ball rolling on their demolition or abatement or whatever they, whatever their needs may be? 
Uh, you can email me at safety at FW demo, or you can just give us a call 604-269-2467 and we'll help you figure out. Yeah, I mean, and I know that you guys can also help to enact the testing through some of the, the connections that you have and all that kind of thing as well. So even if the homeowner... Yeah, we have third-party consultants that we use regularly that are amazing. They're amazing. We've never had any issues with them. WorkSafe loves them and recommends them. And that's that's the right side of the game to be on. Yeah, for sure. So before I close out the show, I always like to ask a couple of fun questions at the end. So um, what would you like to most change or renovate in your own home, your own space? My kitchen. I would love a big, massive kitchen. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, who doesn't love a good kitchen? Whether it, <laughs> Even if they don't cook, at least, you know, somewhere to have a good party in. Exactly. Um, and of course, you are going to be handy. So what is your favorite tool <laughs> um, in your arsenal to use? I'd say it's my drill. I'm lazy. I hate screwdrivers. A good impact <laughs> can save you so much time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I, you know, there's, there's always a handful of tools that you always reach for. And I know yeah. like for me, like a drill and that this little cat's paw and, you know, these little tiny rulers that we use, cause I, we're in the cabinetry trade or whatever, but yeah, you know, there, there's, there's always those like handful that are like always they're, they're always in your hand you're always reaching for them and yeah definitely a, a drill is really my really drill cool. yeah for sure cool well anyway i'm 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 just so grateful that i was able to get you on the show i was really excited to talk to you about this because this is a really hot button issue for so many people um and it's something that more and more people are becoming aware of due to the um marketing and knowledge that has been put out like on the radio and the tv all the all the ads and everything and and i think it's really great to bring much more clarity and awareness around what this is what it means to you as a homeowner and so on and so forth so again really thank you for coming on the show yeah thanks for having me all right ciao for now bye so for those of you who are listening today i really appreciate the fact that you joined us for this period of time and of course, if you're liking what we're sharing, please do share with everybody else that you know in your world, like, follow, comment, and of course, check out all the other episodes for a whole host of other interesting things that you can learn about and when it comes to renovation. So have a great afternoon or morning or evening or wherever you happen to be at what time of day it is. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. Cheers. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today and learning about all things renovation. We hope after listening, you feel even more empowered to take a confident role in your renovation dreams. You can find all additional episodes and resources for All Things Renovation at our website, allthingsrenovation.com. And if you're ready to make your house feel more like home, you can contact us at woodbeart.com to get started on your dream project now.